My name is Matt. I'm an alcoholic. Amen. Amen. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a great to be here and celebrate 38. Um, it's a beautiful day. Lots of good guys to spend it with. So um, Drew gave me a topic of sticking with the theme of we are not a glove lot. Uh, try to stick with that, he said. So I thought that you know, there's a lot of, when people come here and they've never been to an AA meeting before, a lot of times I hear them say, you know, the laughter, you're hearing people have a good time and laughing and cutting up and things like the, they didn't think that was what it was going to be like. And I was the same way when I went to my first meeting, everybody was laughing and shaking hands, high-fiving and, you know, uh, that was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be more of a down and out talking about, you know, poor me, poor me, uh, all, all the things we had been through. So I, I, I've been reading in this book recently. I thought I'd share a, a line or two out of it. It's a recovery book. It's called A Gentle Path Through the Twelve Steps. And there were a couple things in the beginning when it was talking about step one that I thought were, were pretty good signs that it's kind of the opposite of we are a glum lot. Let me just get this real quick. Um, it's kind of like signs, you know, the old Jeff Worthy, uh, Jeff Foxworthy signs. Uh, you might be a redneck. This is kind of like you might be an alcoholic if. Um, let me see here. One second. So these are some of the consequences of our addictions. And uh, I don't know if any of these can relate to you guys, but I thought I'd share a few of these because I could definitely relate to a lot of them. You know, emotional consequences of our addictions, it says, number one, attempted suicide. Number two, suicidal thoughts or feelings. Number three, homicidal thoughts or feelings. Number four, extreme hopelessness or despair. Number five, failed efforts to control the addiction or the addict. Number six, feeling like two people living in a public and a secret life. That was definitely me. Number seven, emotional instability with depression, paranoia, fear, and going insane. Number eight, lost touch with reality. Number nine, loss of self-esteem. Number 10, loss of life goals. Number 11, acting against your own values and beliefs. Number 12, extreme, gu extreme guilt and shame. The toxic shame part is what I want to come back to in just a second. Number 13, strong feelings of isolation and loneliness. Number 14, strong fears about the future. Number 15, emotional exhaustion. And then it said physical consequences. Continued addictive behaviors despite the risk to your health. Extreme weight loss or gain. I'll get to that in a minute. Number three, physical problems like ulcers or high blood pressure. Number four, physical injury or abuse to others. Number five, involvement in potential abusive or dangerous situations. Number six, vehicle accidents, automobile, motorcycle, 
bicycle. Number seven, self-abuse or injury, cutting, burning, or, or, or bruising. Number eight, sleep disturbances. Not enough sleep, too much sleep. I could relate to that. Number nine, physical exhaustion. And it goes on and on and on. The spiritual consequences, though, this is the key part of it. Spiritual consequences. Spiritual emptiness, number one. Number two, feeling disconnected from yourself and the world. I can relate to that. Number three, feeling abandoned by God or higher power. Number four, anger at your higher power or God. Number five, loss of faith in anything spiritual. So I, I want to go back real quick to that part about the shame because that was definitely a big part of my uh, not being able to not be a glum lot. <laughs> Basically, getting back to our theme of being a glum, you know, being happy, joyous, and free, that's the goal, in my opinion. And, and that's what the big book says that we need to work toward is to be happy, joyous, and free. That would be like the ultimate. Uh, that's what I wanted so bad when I came into recovery was to be happy, joyous, and free. Free of the addictions, free of the shame, free of all the consequences that I had caused or that my addiction had caused. Uh, there's this part of... You know, I, I listened to a couple other 12-step programs, and there's people in there that call themselves shame addicts. I was like, what the hell are they talking about, shame addicts? But it's this idea that, like, we can't stop beating up on ourselves. Um, and I've learned that, like, for my situation, I had so much shame when I came in here that uh, the only way that I, I was able to relieve myself of some of that shame is to work the steps and writing out all of those things that I did or that had been done to me in a in a systematic way as prescribed by my uh, sponsor you know having this this process of flowing through the fears and all the things I was afraid of um, all, all those consequences coming true that I was worried about all, all that fear um, it gave me a, the ability to, to really work through the shame. And I, I really have a, one of the little secrets I picked up that I hope to take away from this is like the more that I share about my shame to somebody else, the lighter my shame gets. And that really is true. The more that I can not speak in general terms, but speak in specifics about what I did really helps I don't know what it is. Even if the other person can't relate, it still makes it a little bit less in my, in my bank of shame. So um, I, I think it's, it's crucial. It's a crucial part of working the steps. It's like once, once I got through making this long, exhausting list of things I had done and things I was uh, ashamed of, then in step five, being able to share it with a sponsor and you know, somebody else in the program and just admit it. Like, yes, I did these things. There's a big part for me that's this thing about like owning it. You know, I have, I have to kind of own it. Not kind of own it, I have to own it. Uh, and it doesn't mean I have to go shout it from the rooftops and tell everybody and places I'm, you know, where I work or where I go, tell everybody about it. That's not what it's saying. It's just, I, I have to be confident that I did it and, and not keep pushing it down and uh, keeping it like a hidden secret. Uh, th that was a major part of my 
breaking through this, this whole shame cycle. I, I recently worked step six and seven with a sponsee and it, it was pretty neat because I was able to show him, you know, once we get all these resentments out, we get these fears out, we get this sexual inventory out and we talk about it. Uh, step six is we work on these character defects that we see that we're trending in, in, in these step four and fives. And it was pretty neat to see how he had about five or six of them that showed up about 20 or 25 times, you know, as opposed to a couple other ones that showed up four or five times. Uh, these character defects, it was pretty neat because we were able to, I was, I was trying to explain to him the goal of six and seven is to not just all of a sudden make a list of all these things I've done wrong my whole life. That's not the goal. Uh, the goal is for us to make a, a list of these things, own it, acknowledge it, and realize that when I get backed into a corner and shit's hit, you know, hitting the fan, that if I'm not careful, my character defects are going to come out. And, and, and that's really where we, we learn in the step seven to turn them over to a higher power. You know, ask God, hey, please take these character defects from me. And working with, working with a sponsor, working with my sponsee, I was able to show him you know, some of these that are well, all of these have assets. You know, it's not about just just admitting all these defects that we've had our whole life. It's about looking at them and, and also seeing, hey, we really have strong assets over here that counteract all these defects. So becoming aware that all the things that we did, we did them and owning that, owning that uh, shame talking about it to somebody else has lightened the shame. That allows me to now call somebody in the program when something's going on. I could pick up the phone and call my sponsor. I could call another guy in the program that knows everything about my life, which is amazing. You know, so much of my life before I came into recovery, nobody really knew all the mat. I had a little bit over here, you know, at work they knew one mat. At church with my family, they knew one mat. Over here at home, they knew one mat, but nobody really knew the whole picture. And I, because I felt like if I told somebody all this stuff, I'd be disowned and I'd be abandoned and I would be, you know, who would want to be friends with me then, right? Uh, so by getting it all out there, I believe that I'm able to be happy, joyous, or free today because I don't have these little secrets anymore. It, it doesn't mean everybody knows everything, but certain people know everything, and they still like me, which is amazing. And, and sure enough, when I shared these things, they shared with me things that they had done, you know, that I didn't have a clue about. So it made my shame light because I knew I know about his shame. Uh, so that's a massive part of being not a glum lot is, is I think sharing with others, being able to openly talk about it. Uh, and, and the more I bring up these little things to people, the easier it comes to tell it and the easier it becomes to, in my head for me to realize this is a part of my story. This is, if I didn't do these things and I didn't go through all of these issues, like running up $330,000 worth of debt, or 
getting kicked out of my house, having my wife change the locks on the house while we were at marriage counseling, you know, coming home and being locked out of my house. Uh, seeing my little four or five-year-old daughter wondering what, you know, what's wrong with daddy? What's wrong with daddy? And crying, you know, those little things. All of those things I was so shameful for, you know, acting out sexually, acting out with money, acting out with food, all, all those things I, I was just so shameful for. I realized today that my program and my, my daily routine and my way of life today are all because of those things. And I, I don't really want to change them because I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I wouldn't have gone through those things. If, if I would have still kept those secrets and not talked about them, I don't believe I'd have that confidence of, of where I'm at today or, or even be where I'm at today. Um, so I think I'm going to wrap it up right there. Um, I'm grateful to be here. I, I'm grateful for not having little secrets. <laughs> uh, I, I'm grateful that, that if I think of something today that I didn't share about, I know the process to handle it. I can pick up the phone and talk about it or write a fourth step out about it. Um, I'm, I'm thankful we have tools and a process to handle these things so that we don't have to be sitting at a bar somewhere talking about our problems. <laughs> you know, we have a process that we can deal with these things and, and live happy, joyous, and free. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Yeah, I'm Sean. I'm Paul. Hey, Sean. Uh, Matt, I've always, I've really admired your, the way you run your program, and it's been fun getting to know you. Our, our daughters have been in the same class since kindergarten, and, and I've always just uh, uh, really admired the way you, you the, uh, the authenticity you kind of speak with, and, and, and the humility you talk about your program with. I'm really challenged to do more. I, you know, I've always felt to what you're, you're, you're talking about. Uh, I've always felt like the big book really didn't connect the dots on this thing. But I realized it a while back that when I'm telling somebody, my sponsor or, or, or a friend in the program about something that I'm going through, that I'm thinking it's really training. You know, it's and, and that's what I feel like. You know, when you go through this, work through the steps with the sponsor, you're training just like if you were going to go run a race or learn a new skill or or whatever, you would go to somebody who knows how to do this thing and you would learn how to do it from them, right? Like when you go run a marathon, you you, you ask somebody who's run a marathon, how do you do it? They say, well, you, sort of, you run a mile, the next day you run two miles or whatever, you don't program. And that's what, you know, when working the steps is, especially when you're when you're going through your, your inventory and your and your and the your your list with your sponsor, you're training for that day down the road mm -hmm. when you have no, uh, you know, moral, uh, uh, what do they call it? No moral, uh, yeah, yeah, no moral compass. Part. When, when you have no mental uh, defense. defense, you know, you're, 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 that's the backup plan, right? You're training for that. So you're used to telling people, so I'm used to telling Drew I'm having a shitty day, or I'm used to telling Matt, or I'm used to telling my sponsor something I've gone through. And I, there, there were things I held back from uh, when I did my, my first, uh, the first one I went through the steps. And I think that has some effect on, on me later on in life. And I've been challenged by guys like Matt who really have been, I 
feel like they've just kind of ripped it all apart, man. Like, there can't be more than what you're saying, dude, because that's, you know, some pretty crazy shit there. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that's got to be it, right? And that just has really challenged me to go deeper and to, to, to tell more, be more vulnerable. Because when we tell each other these things, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of saying, I'm going to put my life in your hands and you're going to put yours in mine and we're going to be there for each other. And, and that's something that's hard for, for, for guys to do, I think. It's not a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, my first sponsor, when I, when I did my, uh, when I went through my inventory with him, you know, he did the kind of thing where he told me a little bit of his story and, and I was like, oh, well, I was worried about some things I was going to tell him. And, <laughs> and he hit me with this, like, I killed the hobo kind of thing. And, it was terrible, and I was like, whoa, uh, mine wasn't nearly as bad. Well, uh, so, you know, my dad told me when I got in some trouble early on, when I start, stopped drinking, he said something, and, and it was really, there's a lot of wisdom there. He's like, if, if there's a name for it, you didn't invent it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a name for DUI, and I got four of them, but I was quitted a better one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's a name for it. So there's there got to be another guy in this room who's done that, right? So it's not so, I don't have to be so worried about it. I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm challenged by you guys. I really appreciate this, this group of guys. I've learned a lot from you, and I'm challenged to, to be more vulnerable on a, mac, on a micro level. You know, at a daily level, at an hourly level, to pick up the phone. I struggled with that for so many years, man, because I thought it was a weakness. I wouldn't want to call somebody and say, I'm thinking about drinking and not go drink. But now I can do that because I, I know you guys uh, will, will steer me in the right direction. So thanks for letting me share. And great, great lead there. Man. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Joe Alcoholic. Hey, Joe. Uh, hey, Joe. Joe. Um, that was great. So I kind of touched on this at my Tuesday share at All In. Um, just trying to find the assets and some of the character defects and stuff like that. And I'll just kind of give a rundown of how I went through uh, step six and seven. Um, so we listed out all the character defects and there was like 52 character defects. And I'm like, all right, this is just like a tally of how much of a piece of shit I am. Um, yeah. And uh, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I, was I don't know if it's because you're just so analytical or if it's because I'm a piece of shit. But uh, anyways, uh, just going, going through uh, that whole list, um, I was like, wow, um, that's a lot of stuff. But at the same time, it's so cool to see kind of who I was and who I am and what kind of drove me to drink. And um, one thing that I neglected to share or forgot to share was uh, being so selfish. You know, my alcohol, my disease kept me from a lot of things because I was so selfish. You know, I missed my... Uh, brother having his two kids and then his third kid I was there for like 30 minutes and then made an excuse to leave so I go to the bar and get drunk so um but today I'm grateful because that asset of me being selfish um for my disease and for my sobriety um so I don't have to hang out with that kind of those kind of people anymore I don't have to go to the bar um today I'm just grateful for this program I'm grateful for Matt um Happy birthday, Matt, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Joe. Drew, I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Drew. What's up, Thank Drew? You, Matt, for 
stepping up to the plate there. Did a great job, man. Happy birthday. Hey, uh, I was thinking uh, one of the things that you talked about with the shame something, and I heard uh, there's a podcast I listened to, and he talked. There's a guy. He's a comedian, but he's in recovery. But he talked about that he was addicted to feeling poorly about himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I could relate to that a lot because you know, I, there's. I, I don't want recognition, but I don't want, but I do want a pat on the back. You know, you know, it, it's like this weird thing that it's just like I don't know what I want, and um, dealing with that and fighting with the the uh, feeling poorly about myself. What was me? And you know, you mentioned sitting at a bar talking about your problems. I would, I would sit at a bar and tell you what everybody else did to me. You know what I mean? I, I would never do anything wrong. It's what everybody else did to me, and why why I got screwed in the situation. When in reality, when I look at things on paper, that's not. Uh,
because here it is, you know, I went to college and I got an education and I work at Sonics and I used to be a shame. I would walk. In the first five years of my sobriety, almost six, I walked. And, and I knew I deserved better, but it was me who damaged my life. It was me who was doing what I was doing. Don't ask me when that all changed, but I began to be pretty damn happy walking. Then I moved up to a bike, and you couldn't tell me nothing. You know, I thought I was all, all of that, you know. And, uh, I would go by Senator, Senator Darrell Jackson's house on a bike and speak to him and his wife and his kids because his son is just like me. I would go by Howard, Mr. Howard House, Leon Howard House, another senator. These are some of the people I know because of my name and because I got sober. And they would all tell me the same thing, just keep doing what you're doing. You know? But I still was ashamed. And uh, one day all of that kind of dropped off to the wayside. And I began to feel this overwhelming sensation that Walt is okay with Walt. I'm just okay with being Walt. I'm okay with having that peace and that gratitude. And no matter if a guy got a Bentley, Mercedes, or whatever, and I'm on a bike, it's okay. Because one day I'll get a car. You know, and uh, I just had to keep working. I had to keep paying the Department of Transportation because they wanted their money. And they also wanted me to take the driving test, and I was ashamed. You know, I remember I went to take that test and uh, I bought a Volkswagen. <clears throat> and it's weird how I bought it because I had a permit. And the company wouldn't allow anybody to buy a car with a permit. And they financed the car and uh, they called me back within 24 hours. They said, you need to bring your car back or we're going to shut it down. And I was ashamed. Now I got a car and I ain't going to have a car. And they said, uh, got about 24 hours to get your license and that was on a Sunday because I read my email where they sent me that Saturday evening and uh, I was ashamed because now the car people see me in it's not going to be mine and one of the catalysts for that and, and I got to say it you know we ain't in no meeting but I'm a break hand in energy I remember calling Mike and I said Mike um, I'm in a bad spot because I went to get the driver's test, but the back light didn't work. And the lady said, you can't take it in this. I said, damn, what am I going to do? But because I began to fellowship with people, I remember calling him and said, just bluntly, I, I need, we need to switch cars. <laughs> I need your car. I think I called Sid and I said, I need your car. One of y'all, somebody got to let me drive your car. Now, I look back at that. That's real goddamn bold. <laughs> but because of my connection with them and because we connected, I remember hearing my sister, whom I called my sister, Sarita saying, well, we at the so-and-so, let's switch cars. And y'all might think this is frivolous, but I was so uptight. Mike say, stop, breathe, Walt, breathe. While he was saying breathe, 
the damn clouds did it just start booms and it's raining. The lady had told me, come on back. I'm working with about an hour before they shut that car down with the GPS system. And it's raining like him. He said, just breathe. You're gonna be okay. You don't get it. No, Walt, breathe. Keep it simple, Walt, breathe. Remember that? And I was driving down back to the highway department. <laughs> Already before I got there, I was ashamed and I was setting myself up for failure. But before I went in there, I said, you know, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, you know, please help me. The lady came out, we drove. She finally said, pull over. You got your license. And she looked at me, she said, are you okay? Because I'm bored. <laughs> I have this thing about when I start crying, I know God is near. Because I'm no longer ashamed of crying in front of people. No longer. I'm bored. But I know he's near. You take that for what you want. And I told a fella, if you think I'm a little, put your hands on me while I'm crying. I, I'll flip that. <laughs> I ain't all that well yet. <laughs> Cause Walt, you wasn't gonna stay sober in that neighborhood. Mm. We was hoping you was gonna stay sober, so one day we can talk to you about it. And that shit had me bored. I stayed up all Thursday night to him, cause my mother and father worked hard, and I walked away from it. And I knew somebody had bought it. And it was revealed to me. And I said, God damn. You mean to tell me people love people like that? Because I'm a selfish son of a bitch. I don't know about no kind of agape love or loving people. I love people when there's conditions on that shit. You know? But I've learned to trust people's integrity. I trust the way they feet go. People can say some things, talk some good talk, but they ain't doing shit. Then there's y'all guys that don't talk at y'all, walk it. I've never, since I've been sober, slept till 5.30, never. This morning I got up at 5.30 and I said, what the hell? Damn. Came down here drunk coffee, started laughing. It ain't, it ain't hard to laugh from joking. <laughs> All you got to do is just let him talk. You're going to say, hey, <laughs> And I was getting ready for Jeff, because I said, he called. <laughs> uh, thank you, Walt. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Thanks. 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 Thanks.
seed will not fall like seed. The big book it says someplace it says we do not allow ourselves to drift into morbid reflection. And I, man, I can go there in a minute. I'm a very intense person, uh, and my program for the first few years was no fun. It was survival, and um, you know I didn't have. I'm like, what does this have to do with fun at all? It wasn't until a little bit later on I started getting a little bit more emotionally healthy, but I still got to watch myself. Um, you know, the ideal uh, is out there, you know, and you just got to keep working for it. And uh, it's, you know, inch by inch, uh, you know, you're going to get back to a healthy you. And it, you might not even know what healthy you is. Um, but, you know, you, you take it on faith. This is what I need to do. Practice what the program says. Mm -hmm. And it comes, it comes. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't see it at first. You just see today. That's big enough for right now is today. And uh, coming to things, events like this, going to meetings on a regular basis, reading, you know, daily reflections, stuff like that, that all pays off in the end. And, um, so, uh, you know, there's plenty of things out there to read, plenty. You know, you do one, one page a day and think of at the end of the year, you got a whole book read. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it's little by little. It goes back to the, the basics, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. If you got those three, you're not gonna fail. But, um, you know, but just because you get sober, that battle ain't over. It's about being happy, joyous, and free, like Matt was talking about. Um, and i got to be reminded of that every day. I'm like, look, dude, are you angry at yourself or something? Mm -hmm. Because you certainly act like it. Um, so, you know, i got to do that inner work. And um, being here with you guys is, is uh, you know, something. It's part of the work that i got to do. So, anyway, I pass. My name is Jeff Falcon. Hey, Jeff! Hey. What's up, Jeff? Good. Jeff, thanks for cooking breakfast this morning. Ta ta! Thank you. My day for me, what I learned in the program mm -hmm. that really works for me is it starts with my attitude, all my thoughts, how I react. Uh, Feelings, uh, my to daily direction starts with my attitude, and uh, and left unchecked or undirected, I'm liable to fall back into the ways that I've been my whole life. And um, the longer that I do those attitude, you know, start my day off and end my day with what the program taught me, the better chance I have of reacting better, thinking better, being more helpful, which makes me happy, and less selfish. So, and, it, and my attitude uh, it affects everything around me, everybody around me in a program. I'm kind of the goof, the middle kid, Wanting to make you, you know, pleaser, and uh, which is a good thing. It can be a character defect too because I overcompensate, you know. But um, if I start my day off right with a good attitude, I have good thoughts throughout the day, and that comes back to me when I have a good attitude and somebody may not. 
And, uh, and it keeps me in the right direction. I like the, not the glum lot. This program gave me all these tools to use that make me happy. Mm -hmm. It didn't give me all these tools to make me pity pot and mm -hmm. whine and bitch and moan and get you to pat me on my back and pick me up and uh, carry me. Uh, it gave me the tools so I could help you. And so I, that's, it's a gift. I mean, when your attitude's good, you're not going to scream at that old lady that's driving 13 miles an hour in the left lane. Yeah. Well, mate, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're less likely to. And uh, so it's my attitude. And I'm around some people that don't have the program. And, and I, can, I just wish that they had this program. The tools that we have, we take for granted. Most people, we're lucky to have been alcoholics to get the program. Because <laughs> they're not going to get the program without being fucked up. <laughs> so I was fucked up enough to get the gift of this program, thank God. And, and my attitude teaches people. My attitude teaches people. If I have a good attitude, it'll wear off on your ass. You'll be going, I want you. What do you have? What the hell are you doing? Well, are you alcoholic? No. You, everybody has their medication. And everybody fucked up. I wish I had this when I was a kid. Younger. But this direction this program puts us in can easily be taken away. <laughs> if we don't continue, if I don't continue to do the things that make me, that I know are really happy and not forget it. And hanging out with you guys helped me remind me. Hearing you guys talk. It's just so much wisdom that makes me feel more comfortable. The more information that I gather from you, the more comfortable that I am. The less information I get, the less comfortable I become. So it's important for me to hit a meeting a day. It's important for me to get up in the morning and first time when I wake up, thank God and do what I didn't ever want to do, but now it's becoming second nature. I mean, I don't even know why I'm doing it. It's like I get up, I'm doing my gratitude list. And I'm playing a positive direction. I got this little thing that I got some stuff from Matt, got some stuff from Steve, got some stuff from Drew, got some, everybody does their little thing. We're all getting our minds right so we can help others. And when I'm good, when I, I walk in the room, if my attitude's right, I'm glowing. And everybody else is still on a pity pot. And I'm like, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? I can help them, you know? The program's good for me, and I like the not the glum lot. I, I went through my first year, my first time I came in, and uh, I, I needed it. And uh, I got some really good pointers, and it took me a long time to, uh, a long time to get right. But it was the direction that I, they put me in that good, orderly direction that if I don't follow that, my attitude's gonna be shitty. I'm gonna be an asshole. People aren't going to want what I have. I have not done my job. I can't do my 10th, 11th, and 12th step with a shit attitude. You can't. You're of no use to yourself or others if you've got a shit-ass attitude. Well, how do you change it? The program gave me the tools, man. I can freaking giddy up in the morning now. I can get on my knees and not be embarrassed and get caught. What are you doing? I'm on my knees thinking, God, you know, I can say that today and chuckle. Y'all try it. I'll catch them. <laughs> my kids do it, man. Taught my kids. I just say you do it. Say get your mind right. 
So Broker gave me all these great tools so I can be happy. So take advantage of the tools so I can be happy. So uh, this is fun. We can fuck off and joke around and have a good time and not worry about shit. It's a freaking awesome program. A great open. Really glad to be here. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Thank you Jeff. Thank Aaron you. Alcohol. Aaron. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Hey, this is a really good topic. I appreciate everybody's shared so far. And I was debating about what I wanted, if I was going to share or whatever. And some some people have already shared, kind of let me. It's like, oh, I got to share. Uh, shame for me uh, is uh, a huge one. Uh, you know, my first, I grew up in a Catholic family, and I don't know if anybody else grew up Catholic or, there's a Catholic guilt that is just, uh -huh. my, my parents are great, my, you know, they, they did everything right, but growing up in, I went to Catholic school, and my parents, we didn't talk about a lot of stuff, and, uh, you know, uh, but my first drink, my first, uh, first time I smoked pot, first time I did mushrooms, uh, that was all in, when I was 14, I started working for a family friend uh, during the summers, and uh, I did that for several years, and that guy, uh, he was called <laughs> that guy, that guy, <laughs> the guy who introduced me to all that shit, he was fucked up, <laughs> he, was uh, so <laughs> he was the man, it was it was awesome. It was it was cool. Um, and you know, I was the first of my friends who got into all that stuff. Um, what wasn't cool was they also uh, molested me a couple times. And I lived with that. You know, I had that guy was at my fucking wedding. Like that guy was a part of my even. I have he was sending my kids Christmas presents up until a year and a half. Ago. Mm -hmm. And I never told anybody that until the day I walked into a treatment center mm -hmm. and told the intake counselor. I was like, I think this might be a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, that I've lived with this for 17 years and never told her. And it goes way deeper than just that. Like, some of the mental, like, there were, he, there were other guys that had worked for him at different points who brought lawsuits against him. I went to fucking court in Delaware and sat on the stand as a character witness and testified on his behalf. Oh. Like, I lied to myself for 17 years about what had really happened. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I, uh, I came to the, I was doing my fourth step and started talking to my sponsor about it. And he's like, this might be something to talk about here, like all the stuff associated with this. And I, I mean, I knew it at that point. Um, but until I started unpacking it, it was just like, wow, the, you know, I have a lot of character defects, and I, uh, but a lot of stuff that, that came from that shame, that, that shame compounded over years and years into, into behaviors. Like Matt was talking about having different, uh, Almost, I had a, a life at work. I had, you know, there was behavior I was hiding at work. There was behavior I was hiding from my wife. There was behavior I was hiding from my parents. And nobody really knew mm -hmm. the whole picture. And, and you know, just coming to the program, doing my inventory, working with my sponsor, um, communication. Can you tell me 
being able to um, being able to talk to somebody and start getting it out is like you know it's still something I mean, I've been doing it now for almost a year and it's it gets better every day the more work I put into it but until until I have a, a way to release it and be free of it it you know in the last year just the progress I've made with that stuff has been has has been immense so um, yeah I can I can definitely speak to shame because it is it's like the, the role that I played in it you know even when I first left treatment I was in a real bad place because I was still trying to grapple with like I was still trying to grapple with am I an addict am I an alcoholic or was all this just am I a victim here like and you know it wasn't until I did my inventory and worked my fifth step with my sponsor that I understood that like oh no I do play an apartment because I willingly held this in and let it affect me in all these different ways and and it compounded and and, and I behaved in, in all kinds of crazy ways um, that result from just a couple things that happened when I was like 15 mm -hmm. and uh, so yeah I'm, I'm grateful to, for this program I'm grateful for this topic and for the ability to just like share something like this in, in this room with you guys man it's, that's it's, awesome it's, uh, it's something that you know there's meetings like I was debating about like uh, Drew said something about somebody you know in a meeting shared something like this and I've, I've hinted at it in meetings it's not something I break out just on a, a normal meeting because it's, <laughs> it's a fucking heavy topic. But, uh, uh, I appreciate the, the ability to do that. Thanks for so, sharing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Man, that yeah. is awesome. Thank you, sir. Like that, dude. That, that can help a lot of people. I'll follow it with not as good of a. <laughs> I'll take the fall. Um, Brett, I'll call it. Brett, Brett, Brett. Brett. Um, this has been a great meeting, great topic. I uh, thanks for the share, the lead, Matt, and happy birthday. Um, I was thinking, I, you know, I thought about a lot of different things while everybody was sharing. Um, I remember in my first treatment, my parents came down for some like family visit thing, and they sat in on one of our meetings or whatever and this guy was telling this story about oh he you know didn't want to live anymore and he you know went to bed and took like 22 Xanax and was so wrong that he woke up the next day and like we're all laughing and like thought of, you know, he said it way funnier than I've said it but he, <laughs> he unfortunately woke up the next morning after taking all the Xanax and the whole room's dying laughing and my parents were like <laughs> and that was like a time, that was like I didn't I don't think I necessarily realized it then because I think at the time I was like y'all just don't understand like the things that we go through yada yada but the way I look at that now that moment that I experienced was and then have experienced it multiple times since then is that I and we as alcoholics you know I have this this responsibility and this duty and this this ability to to take something that I've gone through and share it with people like y'all and use it to benefit not only myself to relieve myself of some of the shame that I've gone through but to help someone else understand that maybe something they've done is not nearly as bad as what they think it might have been and that's 
relates to that second part after the, the reading of We're Not a Long Lot of our, our best self-defense against the next dream is carrying the message to another alcohol or whatever it was, some, similar to that. Um, and, and to me, that's, like, that's, that's a huge part of, of my recovery. It doesn't have to necessarily be in direct sponsorship, but it's using you guys and just being honest and being willing to talk about whatever I've gone through or listening to whatever y'all have gone through or just sharing experiences. And, you know, we have this ability to, to gain so much more freedom um, out of just listening to each other talk. That's why we have these meetings. And that's the coolest part about this is like, I can, I can go to a meeting whether I share or don't share and get so much out of just listening to the tools that people have learned and hearing their experiences and in their process of how, you know, they went through the steps with their sponsor and, and, you know, hearing, you know, sayings that people have learned or things that their sponsor has told them or whatever it might be. Um, and, and I take so much value from that, um, of just, of knowing that the person next to me is opening up and being vulnerable and honest makes me want to do it more makes me want to you know do better at, at things that I feel like maybe I haven't been doing as much of, um, and continue to you know work on work on the program and, and continue to keep you know giving back to the program as much as it's giving back to me um, and uh, yeah this is badass I appreciate all of y'all I'm grateful to be here I'm grateful to be sober um, I'm grateful to this I was thinking about shame and how it relates to me. I'm like, I don't really, I don't think I have too much shame. You know, I forget a lot of stuff. And then I, then I started thinking about like, you know, manipulation. Mm. And that's one of the things that, um, I think one of my abilities is to create relationships with people. And then one of my main character defects and one of the um, things that shows up the most and um, with my disease is my manipulation because, you know, um, I guess honesty is something that I, that I hold like very, uh, it, I have a lot of value in honesty. And one of the things I would do because I had one of, probably one of my main problems my main problem was uh, my addiction with, well, I know what my problem was, but one of the things I chose to partake in was uh, pills, and um, it didn't really matter what they were, you know, I, anything I could get my hands on, I'd really do it, but the thing that I would do, and that I have uh, the most shame about, is uh, stealing, and um, really, I would, I would take, like, the people that trusted me the most and that I know there would be the least consequences with my stealing of their pills and I would steal from that because like for instance my mom steal her shit because you know what she's my mom what is she gonna do <laughs> denounce me and you know she's she wouldn't that's just the plain fact or 
you know, my wife. I've done it to her a million times. She's caught me a million times. What is she gonna do? <laughs> Nothing. No, I'm not very good. Some of my closest friends said, trust me, all right, I'll leave my car at your house. Um, you know, we had been drinking that night, so I'll leave my car here, take an Uber home. I'm like, sweet, keeps his medicine in his car. I'll drive your car home in the morning. No problem, buddy. I'll do that for you. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and I mean, it was miserable, man. And like getting over, getting over that shame. And I had a really, you know, it's really tough for me to process. Um, even to this day, you know, people tell you, you're not a bad person. You're just a sick person. I'm like, sometimes I tell myself, bullshit, you know, I was a bad person. You know? <laughs> I did. That was some shitty stuff. Man. Taking like people, you know, people who trust you the most, um, and knowing that they trust you, and then I don't know if it was so willingly. Maybe that's the point I need to get around. But I would just steal whatever I wanted, you know, um, just because I knew that there would be the least consequences and. You know, I could get over on those people, and uh, for me, that whole that that was where I I get most of my shame. But um, I like being able to work the steps. You know, four, five, six, seven. You know, find all these things, and you know, it's tough because like some people I can't make amends with because if I said something to them, it would destroy uh, like friendships with. Um, you know, like my wife and uh, everybody, you know, um, it, would, it would hurt her. So the best thing I can do is work these steps and, you know, get to 12 and kind of help other people. And it does make me feel better when I can help other people, you know, work through the same shit I've been through. And I guess, you know, living amends is a way to do it. So um, it's, it's tough though, you know, it's something you gotta live with and you gotta try to make amends through living, so. Um, but I, I like this topic, it's good to kind of think about it. it. really got me thinking, so thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, my, name, my name's Jeff Alcoholic, and I wanna say this real quick, I'm just hearing a lot of it. Um, Does it help me real quick? Just real quick, I'm sorry. I have to forgive myself how do I do that? And how do I forgive ones that I was hard for and forget? And what helped me is to relieve myself of that guilt was um, these people had poor teachers that caused harm to me. And it's not their fault. They had poor teachers just like I did. I would not have done those things. I don't believe if I didn't have poor teaching or poor lessons learned one, one way or another. That helped me immensely. So I, it allowed me to forgive everybody and myself. And this, until you can, do, until I could do that, I couldn't be free. So I can, uh, any resentment that I have, some people have caused me great harm that most people could, wouldn't forgive, but this program allowed me to do that. And so I see that pattern, it just helped me, I don't know if that helped, sorry, I felt like I needed to say that. Thanks, I'm Ed Alcoholic. What's up, Ed? Happy birthday, Matt. Thanks for a great lead. I um, hadn't, 
Well, just thinking about shame and um, how how it can in my life. Uh, I'm hoping to use it, you know, somewhat as positive. It certainly was not um, initially when I went to rehab in 2012 and came out, and I was just shameful and I want to admit I was an alcoholic and didn't buy into it, didn't believe it and then of course you went back out for nine years and then came back in then 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 what happened to me or I got drinking so much um and then uh cheated on my wife um and the um, person that I cheated with um, made allegations against me, and, um, re and then a political blogger right, writes an article, prominent attorney gets hit with sexual misconduct allegations and um, just freaking rocked my world. Lost my big job, boards I was on. Um, crushed my wife. Um, she knew nothing about it and saw this article that the headmaster of her school um, says what well, he did like this. And, um, so, uh, just, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was at a complete and total loss, already heavy back in addiction. Now, without a job, I just drank my ass off for six months and almost killed myself. And you ended up in the emergency room, and then at that point is when I made the decision last July to uh, go back to the pavilion, and um, and then so my sponsor has helped me realize that uh, I really do see that God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, like in a way that somewhat public embarrassment and humiliation uh, kind of stripped away you know in, a, in, in an odd way I'm just like you know fuck it I have nothing to lose now and you know the, the least of my concerns is being shameful about being an alcoholic mm -hmm. and right now I've got to uh, just um do everything for my sobriety and then and just learning so much from y'all and this program and my sponsor and everything just to like uh, try to piece my life back together and find a purpose and know it's not about me and um, just learning so much and then just the, the power in vulnerability, sharing, you know, on, on both ends of it. Um, so I'm just, uh, once again, thankful to be here. And thank you for Thanks, I carried a lot of shame over when I was molested in the third grade. I was in a children's home, and uh, one particular guy had molested many of the young men in the program, in the children's home. And I... I was ashamed of that for many years. When I reached uh, adolescence, I made my mind up that if I ever caught this guy, 
uh, and run across him as an adult that I was going to kill him regardless of the consequences. He was going to be a dead man. Mm. And uh, I finally was able to drink and drug him into the way, into the back annals of my mind. You know, and so I put him in the back. And, of course, he resurfaced once I started working that fourth and fifth step. But uh, the, the thing that comes to my mind, I, the, the promises tell us uh, we won't regret the, the past. And, hell, man, when I first got to the program, there wasn't nothing wrong with me. I just, did, I just drank and drugged too much. I had no idea that I had a living life on life's terms problem. I just didn't have a clue. And so I, I didn't work no damn steps. I, hell, I got two years in the program, and I still had regrets of the past. But life was good. I mean, life got good for Vince, just taking the drink and the drug away. Just did. But I, I, I still was a, a, you know, a bomb waiting to go off. I remember one guy told me, he said, man, you need psychiatric help. He said, fuck that. I'm busy trying to make a living. But anyway, uh, the one thing that, uh, just haunted me was uh, something I had done to my one of my my youngest son, my youngest son at the time. He'd gotten a birthday card, and uh, this was back in one of my darkest hours. And uh, he'd gotten a birthday card, and that thing had ten dollars in it. And I got into it, and ten dollars back then could buy you a pretty good slab of dope, you know. And I took it, man. And the look on his face, man, uh, it used to just haunt me. Until I worked the steps, until I got serious with the program, it doesn't haunt me anymore. And I've made amends a, a, a thousand times over. I, I don't, I don't need to address that with uh, that son anymore. Uh, the, the biggest thing I can do for him and my other sons is not enable them, enable them. And the other biggest thing I can do is just keep my damn mouth shut. Hmm which I'm pretty successful at, at most of the time, most of the time. But I did slip up uh, Thursday. I come out my my apartment there. My oldest son was in the yard, and uh, I went out there and, and gave him a, a, a piece of my mind. You know, he, he looked just like he did the last time before he went to prison. He looked the exact same. I just seen the same same Nicholas out in the yard, you know. Pickup truck with a trailer on the back, with a motorcycle on the back. Uh, and, and he done lost 65, 70 pounds from doing that methamphetamines. And ain't got no driver's license. And I just went out there and shook my head. It ended up in uh, a pissing contest out in the yard where I told him, I told him, man, just get your drunk ass out my yard, you know. And, and that, that intimidation, I was a big a big bully when I was growing up. If I wanted your damn dope, I'd bully your ass if I need to and get it. I wouldn't just steal it, hell, I'd, I'd let you know I'm getting ready to take your fucking shit. <laughs> you know, like that, goddamn, it's just okay. too bad. Hell yeah. Man. I didn't have to <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. I'd steal it from you too, though. <laughs> and help you look for it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Yes. The, shit, the, shit, the shit we used to do. Hey, I don't know. But uh, anyway. I, I, A lot of red faces in here after that. <laughs> I don't know where it is. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, my, poor, my, poor, my, my poor son. Uh, I, I've learned that it, it, 
I don't know, did the universe call on me to let my son know that somebody might have needed to tell him, you're going back to prison. Mm -hmm. And I hate that the universe called on me to tell him tell him that, but I, that's what I had to do. Am I, am I ashamed of it? Uh, uh, the, the delivered of the delivery method might have could have been a little different, but shit, it, it happened. I had to forgive myself and know I'd done the best I could do. Man, it's, it's just tough to go out and see your, your kids suffer and you can't do a damn thing about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, that's just tough. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, the energy, the energy that I derive from meetings, uh, these, uh, particularly these retreats, and at meetings is just unsurpassed. I can go to a lot of meetings and I'll just sit there and I won't run my damn mouth, I won't say anything, and, but I still get the energy that is derived from the meetings. Mm -hmm. And so I keep suiting up, showing up, and, and coming back. And I'm, I'm certainly glad to be here. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name's Matt, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Matt. Matt. <laughs> I thought I was going to get away with not having to say anything this morning, but it looks like I'm the last one in here. So, um, um, Matt, happy birthday. Thank you for um, starting with that great lead. Um, we got a chance to know each other a little bit last night, and um, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I came in here still, you know, because my ego, I think, you know, I don't have anything to be ashamed of, but, you know, once I actually reflect, and I haven't gotten the steps to, to, to bring all these terms um, yet because I'm still roughly um, four months in the program and haven't been on my horse as fast as I needed to be because I kind of cheated on my first two months of the, of the recovery because when I went to rehab they get they prescribed me an abuse and I took that home and I used it for like the first month or two to, to get that demon out of my head because I couldn't just I couldn't do it by myself I was going to the meetings but not going in the meetings so I would sit out in the parking lot Drunk one time, and then you know, sober another few, and then I finally figured out. Well, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna really stick to this, because I made my mind up that I wasn't gonna drink anymore, mm -hmm. so I started going into the meetings, and uh, that's where I meet all you guys. And I really appreciate the camaraderie and the retreat stuff. I don't think I've ever been on a a, a guy's uh, trip of any sort. You know, maybe a church thing, or maybe uh, definitely family stuff, but never something something like this. But anytime I did anything like this like bachelor parties that might be something, but it was always just drug and alcohol filled. Um, but I just laughed and smiled as much as I, you know, and I feel great waking up this morning at seven o'clock, you know, <laughs> and food's ready out here. You know, it was just, I mean, I slept in the laundry room and I'm so happy with that. <laughs> Listen to everybody here. Um, I know I've got things to work on. I know I'm, uh, got a long way to go, but just knowing that it's possible, it's a really good feeling. Um, and I'll share more as I get to know everybody, but, you know, I'm just glad to be here, and thanks for everybody's being here and let me share. Glad you're here. There's Blair on Blair. Blair! Um, it's kind of funny, the two things that we're talking about right now are we're not a glum lot and shame. Because I think those are probably the two biggest reasons that I didn't start going to AAA. Um, you know, a long time ago, I knew I had a problem. I probably knew in the back of my mind that I needed to go to AA or 
I mean, I knew I needed to do something about it. I didn't know what, but I probably had an inkling that A would be the best just because of all the, you know, good reviews I've heard of it from its history and, you know, just people that I've heard of that have gotten the help they needed through the program and just turned their lives around from, you know, the, the shit, the shit storm that was going on with me. But I think, I don't know if it was a rebellion thing, not wanting to go, or just shame of finally admitting to those who are like my family and my good friends, you know, that I had, I actually had a problem that I couldn't handle on my own, mm -hmm. that I needed to deal with, with help. And I guess part of it was, you know, I thought it's a bunch of, and I'd never really gotten involved, so I just kind of assumed somehow that it was a bunch of old fuddy-duddies sitting around not having fun pouting and, you know, talking about how their life sucks because they couldn't drink. And I, I equated drinking with fun for the longest time. Mm -hmm. I've shared before that for the first probably at least 10 years, it was mostly a fun activity, you know, didn't have any serious consequences, didn't get in any trouble, didn't have the big problems. But somewhere along, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, it stopped being fun and... and you know, that's when it really started to suck. And I started to realize that I needed help. But yeah, the the glum lot, and I've seen just through, you know, a little less than a year now, um, it's not a glum lot. There's a lot of laughs to be had, smiles, and, you know, we can make just as many inappropriate jokes as, <laughs> you know, just, just here this morning, you can hear any of it. But as you know, anybody that's drinking or, or drug drug use or any of that, we can have just as much fun sober as, uh, as that kind of thing. But also the shame thing, um, I guess I just avoided coming in because I didn't want to admit. And my family has, it's been the opposite of shame with my relationships now that I've gotten sober and started to mend those relationships they're happy and just it's it's so it's i don't know i wish i could have realized it a long time ago but i'm so glad i am now that um i don't have to you know live in shame from them and i can mend those relationships and enjoy spending time and uh you know just sharing love with them and um you know all the things that i missed out on that i can you know Stop doing that and uh, make numbers for the future with uh, a pretty large family. I got number 10, either niece or nephew. I don't, we don't know which one it is, but on the way. So a lot of nieces and nephews and four siblings, you know. So um, anyway, so I think I was just thinking about the shame and the uh, we are not a glum lot health. Those are kind of the two big reasons that kept me out, and I'm glad that I've realized that, you know, it's the it's not true. <laughs> now that I've finally gotten gotten into it, so yeah, and happy birthday, man! Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Joe. Hey, oh, thank you, Vince and Aaron here. <laughs> oh, for um, I too was molested when I was uh, four or five years old, and I did not remember the details of it because I pushed it to the back of my brain for so long. Um, but I carried that with me for so long and it made me so insecure and I had no 
drink for a very long time. So I don't know if I would have shared that if it weren't for y'all. So thanks for the drink there. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks, David, alcoholic. David. Uh, I'll make it quick too. Um, also, since the other men were vulnerable, um, yes, the shame portion plays a large part in my story. So I was severely abused as a child from 10 to 14 and then ended up in the juvenile correctional system for approximately three years. So, I mean, there was a lot of shame that built up with that and then kind of tying it into what Matt said, how only certain people knew certain pieces and nobody ever really knew the true who I was because I had the ability to join the military and just kind of start fresh wherever I went. So I never had to share that until I got into this program. And then when I seek out sponsorship, that's something that's important to me. It's like being able to find that coach and mentor where when I work on the four step, I know that they're not just going to brush over that because I put it on there and they're like, oh, we should probably expand on this. And I was like, yeah, I was hoping you wouldn't <laughs> say anything. And um, yes, um, but yeah, so working through that shame and, and all that stuff, because I know it's a big part of who I am as a person, but it also was like what allowed me to be so vulnerable to that first drink and then obviously being an alcoholic, that phenomenon of craving just takes over. So being able to be in a program like this and um, kind of be around a group of guys who can be vulnerable and share those things, and then it gives me the ability to work on that um, with my sponsor and in my own life to be protected against that first drink and not allow that, you know, because I know once I ingest I can do everything I can to, but if I put alcohol in my system, it's fucking game off. So, and I mean, that's just the alcoholic in me. Thank you, brother. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. John, alcoholic. Hey, John. 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 Hey, John. Yeah, the shame piece is, uh, I, don't, I don't have it as much now that I've been in the program, but I do remember the shame of riding in the back of a Richland County Sheriff Officer's uh, car on my last drunk and him feeling so damn sorry for me he didn't even take me to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped me off at the front front doors of my house and basically said, man, I hope you get your shit together. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember it. What's the secret? <laughs> I think you just knew how I was done. I mean, in, in the month leading up to that, I'd, I'd gone on a, uh, supposed to be a networking event downtown, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be a, about a three and a half day bender. The first, first night, I got so hammered at the, uh, the, uh, the rooftop of Hendrix, came down and, uh, wrecked my car going down Assembly Street and was able to limp it into the into the Pops corner store down there. Had to Uber home and Uber back the next morning and remember standing outside of the gas station waiting on a tow truck, like hammered about three or four tall boys out there waiting on the tow truck. And even the tow truck driver was like looking at me and was like, you know, I was like, hey, can I carry a beer in your car? And he was like, uh, yeah, I guess. Well, anyway, taking my car to discount tire and then not having a ride and walking down Garner's Ferry carrying a, a truly 
at uh, 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> passing the... Uh, <laughs> Passing the Krispy Kreme donuts up there, and the workers were back outside. I said, you know what I think would be cool is just to hang out with these, these folks this morning. And <laughs> even they were looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? What the fuck's wrong with him? <laughs> I, I mean, I was really sick. And, you know, that, the shame that I felt in, in all that, my, those, those, those final days of just basically being a, a bum. I mean, I had a house and a decent job and all, but you would never know. If you saw me out in public, um, you know, getting into the program and, and realizing I could leave all that behind. I mean, working the fourth step now, and, and a lot of the, the causes of, of some of that stuff are coming up. Um, you know, relationship with my parents and some things that kind of happened when I was growing up that, you know, kind of make me ashamed. But, but one thing that I like about this program is when I'm able to come in here and talk to other alcoholics and, and, and get some simple instructions or simple suggestions for living this. I, I know that I don't have to live that way anymore. I know I don't have to wake up and want to put a shotgun in my mouth and, you know, blow my fucking brains all over the back of the wall. And, um, I mean, I'm just really glad to, to have the program in my life and have you guys in my life and got a great sponsor and just, great network of guys and you know I just the shame that I f used to feel is just I don't just don't feel compelled to, to to even have to carry it anymore and I'm 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 still just I'm still working the steps so I'm I'm just looking forward to continue to work this thing and um yeah so so just glad to be here and uh, appreciate the shares and the vulnerability and, and, and that kind of kind of thing I've heard heard a lot of courage in here today um, it's good to be here so thanks thank you John Mike I call it hey Mike and your mic man I, I uh I have uh immense gratitude one because uh because I'm here <laughs> and uh and and two because you guys are here I haven't uh, I, I, I was driving with a, with a buddy yesterday. He's a younger kid that works with me, and he's kind of like a son to me. Um, though I hated his guts at first because uh, he's just twenty something, and he's a slack ass, like you know, and I, he doesn't want to do shit. And he, you know, I'm very judgmental now that I'm sober, and, uh, and I was like, but I've really uh, because of what you guys teach me, you know, I'd be able to like actually completely flip the script, not I, but this program and. I really love the kid now, you know, I just see him for what he is. And, um, and now I, now because I've like got rid of this judgmental lens that I was looking at him through uh, and focusing on what he isn't, uh, and focusing on what he is, uh, there's a lot of love there. And it's only been, you know, less than a year and that's all kind of changed. And um, so we were riding yesterday and, and uh, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I, <laughs> I, because of the all these things that we've shared and the things that I've done, I, I, when I'm in my car and I'm sitting at a stoplight or driving through town, I just see things a lot different than a lot of other people, but probably a lot like you guys do. And yesterday I saw one of those things, and it was the Motel 6 at St. Andrews and I-20, uh, I-26 there, and uh, Chuck E. Cheese and, and that lovely Motel 6 on the corner. And, you know, every single motel in Columbia and many on this strand 
uh, I'll have a memory uh, that I have, uh, and many have multiple, and that Motel 6 is one of them. The last time I was in it, I was uh, completely out of my mind, had a bunch of dope on me, and dropping people around in my truck with, uh, uh, that was, uh, that, that I was, I was driving it and I still owned it, but I was like five payments behind. So that I was always looking for the tow truck to, to hook it when I, when I left it alone. And, but I was, you know, my ego, man, and, and there was Richland County Sheriff's deputies in that, in there and, and on each, uh, hall, it was a hot spot, And, um, and, and they were there. I saw them. Everybody's like, man, we can't go up in there. But I, I was like, oh, we got this. And I pulled in and, and we did, we just walked right past the sheriff's deputies and you know a bunch of shit on me and and a bunch of shit on them and people acting the fool and and walked right into a room and we partied and then we drove away and yesterday at the hotel there was the the common scene um it was about noon hour after checkout and there's the indian lady who runs it and a whole family or a group of people with all their belongings out in the parking lot they had got kicked out I mean, I can tell you exactly what happened. They didn't pay their rent, they got kicked out, or they were loud, or the cops came, or whatever, and they got no place to go, and, uh, and not a dime between them, you know, a bunch of adults, and there's their stuff in a bunch of glad trash bags, and those little bags that are, you, you know, you take out of the hotel trash bags and use them as uh, duffels. And, uh, and I was just like, you know, because I used to drive by that and make fun of those people and look down on them. And then I was the guy who those people called and said, Mike, Mike, can you come get us? Because I had, I still had a job and I still had some income. And then I, you know, this is before I lost the job. I had no income and, and I was the guy that would save the day and I'd pick all their shit up, put it in the truck, put all of them in the truck and take them to a different motel and buy them a room. And I was the man. And then I was the guy who was kicked out and sitting there with them. Uh, and, uh, and then I was the, the guy that, that uh, just could not seem to stay in Alcoholics Anonymous because um, because you guys already had something when I got there, and uh, I'm a do I'm a I'm a do all or nothing guy. I I, uh, I got there and I wanted what you had, but I couldn't get it fast enough, so I would do nothing. And uh, and you guys told me to do do something. <laughs> and when Matt said thank you, Matt, this morning, uh, you know, the thing that that really helped him was. Somehow, some way, he figured out or realized, and I've realized the same, that just being around you guys is just as important as one day being able to share something with you guys. Because if I don't get around you, <laughs> then I will never share anything with you. Because, and so my something, you know, today is to get my ass to this, to this house, you know. My disease is alive and well inside my ass, and it, it and, and some, you know, there's certain people in this room, you know, they keep me in check, you know. They they do that extra thing. They say, you know, you coming? And some of them say, man, when I say, nah, I don't think so, you know, man, you know, and that's all they have to say. And and they and that that's what got me here because my disease says, Mike, you got this dude, don't you ain't gotta go to that retreat. Those guys, you'll see them on Tuesday and 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 uh, you suck at golf. Why you want to sign up for golf? You, you know, save the money. I mean, a million freaking excuses. Um, but but and and normal and but in in the past, like I said, I would just do nothing. So I would sit there with my thoughts, with my disease centered in my brain. And it, you know, I don't know if it's next week or two years from now. But if I don't do something each day, 
and it's not the same something. I have to do some new somethings. Um, even if it's not the courage to share something, like like's been shared in the room by a few a few of you guys. Even if it's not that courage, at least it's something so that one day, you know, when it's appropriate, or or if I learn something about myself, that I'm like, damn, I never knew that even happened, and. Uh, or maybe I did, but I just never was going to tell another soul that, um, you know, that, that, that I will one day do that. It doesn't, I got, I, I have just really grateful that, um, that today, you know, I, I, uh, I know this about me. I know my disease is alive and well, and the way it manifests itself on a daily basis is it lets me go to meetings, but it keeps me in that little bubble, you know, like. You're going to meetings, check that box. You're calling your brothers, check that box. But you ain't gonna go be with these guys who want you to be there, and you have every ability to be there, but you're gonna, you know, point at the weather, point at your golf bag, point at your girlfriend, who said, who my girlfriend's too, she's, she's got five years of sobriety too. She's like, you're going. And I'm like, but babe, you know, you're, you need me here. <laughs> she's like, the fuck I do, go. <laughs> You know, and uh, I don't know, just, just uh, so much that, thank you for everything that, that's been shared, and uh, thanks for letting me be here. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I'm Michael. Hey, Michael. 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 And I've always had a problem moving past the guilt and shame, and right now I'm just swimming in. Mm. Um, I'm going back out. Um, but I know that it can be just as an asset, so there's some hope there. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's something I'm struggling with right now. So I'm definitely glad to be here and hear everybody else that supports me. Thank you, Mike. Glad you're here. My name's Danny. I'm an alcoholic. Danny! Danny. Uh, I used to have a lot of shame. Uh, and I kept drowning it out. I'm trying to drown it out with alcohol. I, 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 I tried to stay drunk as much as I could to drown it out. But I, I had to confront it, you know, and, and that's what's got me, kept me sober for these last couple of years. Uh, of course, going to meetings and being around guys like you. Uh, and that shame's a, it, it, it's rough talking around a lot of shame. It, but once you get it off of your back and off your shoulders, your life's so much, so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't, I don't really think that, you know, be, being ashamed of stuff is, you, you got to, you got to let that go, uh, if, if you're going to succeed. Uh, and if people's done you wrong, you know, which all of us have had people do us wrong. You, you, you got to kind of let that go too. Uh, and it, that would used to be a hard thing for me to do. Well, you know, I'd go to the ass, and it didn't matter to me. You want me to go? But, you know, it, it, since I come to AA, I, I've changed a lot. I mean, I've changed a whole lot. My sponsor and all, he's helped me tremendously. And still does to this day. Um, I, I'm just grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank, Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Did everybody? Any burning desires or anything to add before we close it out? I have four or five. <laughs> I I think, I no, that's a, not burnt, that's burning BD. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a desire, then I got a burning. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bread alcoholic. Bread. Um, I just want to say I love all you guys. I'm leaving after golf to go back home because I got other things going on. Better things. Excuses. I have excuses. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's true, right? but yeah. I made it for a party yesterday and today. So yeah. 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 I'll see you on Tuesday. Hey, do we have a, uh, a quick... Yeah. Walt, did you have something to say? Yeah. Um, it has been a privilege and an honor to see some of y'all. Hopefully I'll see some of y'all. I'm going to try. Don't hold me to it. Um, to all in, yes, sir. try to make that a part of. Yeah, yeah. but um, it, man, you guys have touched me in a way that is indescribable. Yeah. Oh. So, thank you. Thank Love you, Walt. We have one announcement. Happy uh, birthday to